Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martha of Kales River, along with the chapelries of St. Mark, the Evangelist, and St. Monica, the West Bank. This is one part of the many arms of the digital ministries of the Church of St. George, the Martha of Kales River. You can catch it on Facebook. And uh, Father, I believe you guys are doing the evening prayer on a Thursday as well on, on a team's call. Monday to Thursday, uh, we do audio, yeah. The bishop's one comes in the morning, we do the evening ones. Yes, and you still doing the WhatsApp stuff in the morning? I do that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there are many ways that you can explore your faith during this time of crisis, a crisis that is lifted a little bit. I am Lindsay Shooters, and I'm joined as always by the rector, Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. And it is the 12th Sunday of the Pentecost. 12 is my favorite number. I don't know why. I just like the way it sounds. The theme of this par- this week is substance abuse and the special parish focus on the junior youth. I have to admit <laughs> that I did promise everybody the conversation that I had with with Marion about um, drug abuse, but there was too many personal identifiers with people who maybe did not agree to have their stories told. And yeah, therefore, I I couldn't actually go forward with with publishing that recording with any kind of editorial integrity and with respect to those people. So I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, it, it is what it is. Father, if you would just welcome everybody and get us through the collect, and I'll catch up with you after that. Thanks, Lindsay. Good morning to you all, wonderful people of God. I trust you are keeping as safe as you possibly can. And um, so I greet you, the Lord, whom all the kings of the world will praise, is with you and all of us as we journey through this world. Um, that's a world with a difference. We are called today to pray in the collect of purity, sorry, the collect for the week, which is a prayer that is prayed by the church collectively, trying to capture the essence of our readings for the day. Let us pray, God of our holy and righteous ancestors, Accept us as a living sacrifice and transform us by your spirit that being members of one body, we will offer our gifts in Christ's service who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, continuing down our road of Paul's letter to the Romans, Um, We reach chapter 12, verses 1 to 8 this week, and it's an interesting one. Uh, So I'll I'll just read um, verse 1 and 2. So then, my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. Do not conform yourselves to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing to him and is perfect. So this morning, I, personal anecdote time, I had a little conversation with my daughter. We were, I was still laying in bed and she came to sit by me and we were talking about all things. And 
I asked her, we're talking about an artist and, and she has this obsession where if people have like a, a, a goth kind of look to them, she she equates it with like devil worship and things. So I asked her whether she believes that there is a devil. And she said, no, but there are many things that we don't understand yet, which I do. And, and then we got into further into the conversation, long and short of it, I got to a point where I was telling her that um, we can't judge other people. There's no such thing as a wrong opinion because what is true to someone is true to them for a reason. And it is, I believe it's our job to try and first understand what their reasoning is and then try and change their minds or at least then use our reasoning and find some sort of common ground that we can continue living as, as equals. And then it like spilled over into how Christianity is like the global culture and everything kind of conforms to that. So this is obviously Paul speaking in a time where Christianity hadn't grown to that point yet. But within our context, being a Christian is kind of conforming yourself to the standards of this world. Is it not, Father? Uh, because the culture is Christian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very interesting <laughs> point of view. Um, I think that, yes, that's that's part of the complication uh, when Christianity is hijacked uh, and in and then applied by force um, over over populations of people. Mm. Uh, that doesn't necessarily make um, the the kind of flavor that comes out of that necessary Christian because remember Gandhi came to visit our country some years ago and he wanted to go into the cathedral church in Johannesburg at St. Mary's I think is the name of the cathedral and he was disallowed because he was not of the right you and um, Gandhi made a statement and said that He is very respectful, appreciative, um, and and accepts the Jesus of the New Testament, but he has deep problems with the Jesus that uh, the church was following at the time. So the church may have um, assumed the position of forming the culture, but in in the intermingling of it, what we do see is that culture has, as it were, influenced Christianity so much because it depends on who was the gospel proclaimers at the time. In our own country, for example, at the University of Stellenbosch in the Quirk School, where priests or dominies were formed and shaped, apartheid was founded in, in in the halls of that community by reading scripture in in by reading into scripture what they wanted to believe and so they claimed that scripture authenticated that kind of christianity which said divide and rule uh, and oppress those whose you and was not of the light skinned so where is the line drawn here there needs some serious reflection and i think in jesus's time also we have the problem of where not even the scribes, the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law could could make these distinctions. In the week, we read a, a gospel reading where Jesus said, 
you claim to have read and studied Moses. Why is it that you fail to, to understand that Moses was actually writing about me? So, so there is an assumption that the Christianity that is the cultural norm of many, many countries, because Britain and whoever else decided to use it to uh, enslave people, um, whilst what they were actually doing, they were actually reading into the scriptures their own story and claimed authenticity from scripture to practice it legally and otherwise. Yes. So there a great, a great need for discernment is needing to happen all the time. Um, I remember during the apartheid struggle, we uh, in our prayers of the church had to pray for um, the, the president and the government of our country. But what kind of prayers must that be? Well, it's a, it has to be Christian. Now, is it a Christian prayer to say, Lord, this government of ours is so evil that we ask you to bring it to its knees? And many struggled with that because having being a church of, 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 of racial diversity, there were some of the, the of the white communities who felt it would be wrong to pray that because that's not a Christian prayer. But when we look at the Song of Mary, the song, the Song of Mary, which is their Magnificat, we find, I find rather, I find that the most radical of songs or canticles that has ever been um, been um, publicized um, where she does speak about God bringing down those who think they are far too powerful. Yeah. And, and so I would say we really, Paul's writing to a people that had gone into um, a, a a place where their culture of, of belief was foreign. How were they meant, therefore, to live in that um, uh, paradox, paradoxical com communi community um, multiplied uh, with different views? How do they dis discern what is a worldly standard? over what is a godly standard. Hmm. Uh, in, in this text that you read, what is pleasing to God and what is perfect um, over against that which the world practices, which is the standard of the world, but it's, it, it goes against the grain of what the will of God is and what is good. So what are the measurements we need to use when we discern what are the standards of the world when proponents in the world proclaim that it's got a Christian shape? Hmm. So I, I like when he, he continues to verse three and he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you should. Be modest in your thinking and judge yourself according to the amount of faith that God has given you. So. So there's obviously a opening there for you to maybe feel yourself more than you should. Like if, if you are judging your own amount of faith, how do you how do you temper 
your belief in your own faith. Um, can can you understand like the, the the philosophical problem that I have with with this sentence? I I'd, I'd like to just say that these words are for me um, uh, the, the 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 leading into the things he says now verse one and two and then verse three uh, because of the grace and mercy of God to us and then because of God's gracious gift to me. Based on this, I'm able to say this to all of you. Now, um, what would be the standard of the world? The standard of the world would, would be would not be modest. Um, but you know, even in the in 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 various um, Christian denominations, there are those who assume that they are better placed to enter into the kingdom of heaven. When they die, then others who are also in the Christian faith. So we do have this sense of pride that we walk around with. We judge one another when look at your clothes, at your hair, where you live. Um, we assume that by the car you drive, um, you are of lesser value to the world, to God, than what they are. So this happens all the time. Uh, and so people with, I mean, I was listening to somebody with a stuttering problem who was very bold to, to be out there on, in public. And, um, and, and, and they asked him, how did he deal with this? And he said, yes, people are judgmental towards me and I'm yeah. bullied as a result yeah. of this. So, so how then ought Christians to be? Do not think of yourself more highly than you should. Be modest in your thinking. So how then are we to judge ourselves if it's not based on race, on economics, on education, and all the other things? The one thing we do have in common is that we are all human. Hmm. And if we tell our stories, there are similarities in our wants and in our needs and in our longings. For example, everybody would want to be happy. Everybody would want to be safe. But because you can afford happiness, inverted commas, and safety because of your economical position, and I'm not able to do buy the best things on the range to affirm my happiness and my safety, there's a judgment now. You can afford the better one. I can't afford the better one. So it must be that I'm better than you. What judgment, what are the rules that we, we measure? But that's all part of the human baggage that we have as a result of, 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 of sin. And, and here it is a very important thing. Judge yourself according to the amount of faith that God has given you. Uh, that's a real difficulty on what, what, what measurements do we use for judgment. Except um, what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 uh, from, from, from verse 5. Have about you the same mind that was in Christ, who didn't think of himself more highly and took on the form of a slave and a servant and was obedient to death and even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and gave him the name of our very name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And in Mary's um, canticle, the Magnificat, 
it's about showing, it's about choosing humility. Um, so there is a measurement, a Christ-like measurement, where Jesus does talk about the, the essence of humility it's over against pride and position. There are um, certain things that he teaches us there. So there is no way, Lindsay, I can ever claim to be better than you. Comparisons doesn't help. The only judge I must have, I must compare myself with myself. If I go outside of that, then I'm going to make unfair judgments, either towards myself or towards somebody else. Yeah. But again, yeah, yeah, do I allow God's grace and mercy to inform me? Because um, if they inform me, then, then um, what will happen is that I will be open to what verse 2 says, uh, being transformed inwardly by the complete change of my mind. And though I can't do that, Paul says, God does it. All I have to do, the word let, allow God, cooperate with what God wants to do inside of you to change your mind. Often, when we talk about it, the word repentance, it means people think it's only a change of heart. No, it's a change of mind, the way we think. Mm. That will help us to behave in a particular kind of way. And that's where the problem is, because we know how easily thinking can be confusing. Um, that is why it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a talk of, of, of how do we work on the inside of ourselves? With God's permission, with God's help, we can do that. And then our judgments are informed, and it would probably be far more fairer than if we judge ourselves. Because I can't tell you how much faith I have. Jesus spoke about the measure of faith being a, mult, a mustard seed, yeah. as he was encouraging through yeah. a kingdom story. So how do I know how much faith I need? So again, every situation, every challenge I have has to be, has to be coated in prayer, has to be, has to be informed by prayer, has to be informed by the, 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 the person of our Lord Jesus Christ who makes these things possible by the very grace and mercy God gives to us. Because what, if I'm going to choose other measuring rods, it's going to be outside of the standard of God. Mm. So the, the the only thing I can, I can add to that sentiment is that um, there's this prominent idea that God's grace is rewards, like, material rewards for your continued faith. Um, I, I, I don't obviously hold that belief myself, but I see it in, in a lot of people where it's like, oh, uh, a, a friend of mine, and, and I, I don't want to pick on him because he's actually really humble and uh, he has his, his, his head in the, in the right place. Um, but I'm just using this as as and as a very poor example to illustrate my point. Uh, but he 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 called me up and he was asking for like car buying advice and I helped him out with that. And then he messages me and he's like, "No, um, this is the one that I eventually chose." And then like the next week he's bought a new flat because he now got a new job as well. And and I messaged him and I was like, "Dude, you know I'm very proud of what you have achieved. You've worked hard. You've stayed humble. You've done everything." Correctly, and, and this is a guy who the world has a different perception of him. But we we grew very close um, when when I was staying up in Joburg, 
because um, like we, we were friends in Cape Town, so we, we reconnected there. And he said, no, it's just the grace of God. And I was like, mm, you kind of have to also give yourself credit for like doing the, the hard yards for your achievements, you know. And yeah, it, it just there's just this mindset where people are thinking that because they are faithful that they get rewarded. So then they do start judging others by saying like, you don't have what I have because you know, your faith isn't strong enough. Do you have any, any retorts to that sort of idea, Father? You know, um, we, we normally say that, I normally say that when people ask me, how are you doing? And I would say, by the grace of God, I'm mm. functioning okay. The one problem I have with the use of the word, the grace of God, people would say, there by the grace of God go I. So, yeah. so, so I have a problem with that because are you saying, therefore, that God's grace is better for you? Then because mm. you're in the situation and the other person is not. So we've got to be careful of how we use those, those terminologies. The grace of God is always available for us in whatever circumstances we are. Um, but the word again I want to come back to is in the, is it the first or the second verse of, of this chapter we're reading, where Paul says, let God, allow God to transform you. So in order to to um to understand it it's a way of cooperating with god now does my house that i purchased is it is it a sign of my perfect cooperation with god no it's not but i do say that god gives us grace to learn to um to to grow to ask questions to work with our money and our lives, to recognize what our needs are, and then to properly plan to 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 to, to get that. Mm. that. That doesn't mean others are not doing the same because our circumstances are different. But in his context, he's saying, sure, I worked hard. Sure, I was given opportunity. Sure, I did I, I, all of this kind of things. But I would not have been able to do this all by myself. And recognizing that God's grace is sufficient for all. Mm. Um, in his case, he is modest enough to realize he couldn't do it all on himself. Because it's one thing in purchasing the house. It's another thing in maintaining that. Because yeah. you could purchase yeah. today because you've got a job. But tomorrow you could not be able to maintain that house simply because you don't have a job. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so again, yeah, what he's, he's able to say is that today I, I was blessed to be able to achieve this. But this is not the be end of, of who I am. Yeah. I'm seeking to live my life by the grace of God. And if that means that I would be blessed with a material thing, then so be it. But here's my problem. When a young child is crying for, for milk, unable mm. to get it, and then somebody gives the mother a formula to feed the child, what do we say is at work? Who heard the cry of that baby? 
and why would perhaps an unrelated person, an opportunity arose where the mother could receive a formula to feed that crying baby? How, how does the grace of God work? Um, this, this is the part of the mystery, isn't it, um, Lindsay? Yeah, I like to believe that, that humans have the infinite potential for kindness, um, but we are tempered by our own misgivings and mislearnings in a, in a lot of cases. So well, I, I chalk that up to the kindness of humans, yeah. But you see, the psalmist does say, we were beautifully and wonderfully made. And therefore, those potentials are within us. And again, not because we deserve them, because God's grace is undeserved. But God's grace makes it possible. If we allow God to do what God needs to do with us. And yet there are many, many, many modest believing Christians whose lives economically may not have improved, but they still believe. Mm. Again, giving God thanks for what they have, for who they are and how they are living. So how can we measure this from one person to another? Except to say that your friend is saying, I'm not able to do this all by myself. I'm grateful for God's generosity to have helped me get to this point. Mm. That's all I am able to say in, in that. Given the fact that we have, we are beautifully and wonderfully made, therefore we have the capacity to work, to learn, to save, to, to, to earn in such a way that we are able to afford vehicles and good education and homes and be able to, for many years, sustain that kind of lifestyle. Mm. But never forget they, that that's the point for me. They are gift. Any of the things we purchase, like education and um, education is priceless. We can never afford education, even though we've paid the bills at the university. Yeah. It's still priceless because how much education do we get without having to pay for? Mm. We just open our ears and our eyes. Uh, vehicles run their course as soon as you purchase a new vehicle. It's starting to rust already. Yeah. And the homes are open to the elements. So whilst I have a home, there are challenges facing me in that the homes, lifestyle, the maintenance factors, all that are going to creep up on me. Mm. So we should be very careful of boasting. Yeah. Uh, very yeah. careful of making statements. But as your friend humbly saying, I'm grateful that God has given me this opportunity to own this as gift. So that's what I am able to, to share in that regard. Yeah, like I said, that was a very, very poor example for the point I was trying to make. So 
yeah, I mean, if 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 he's listening to this, I, I think he does does support us in some way um, by by listening on the weekend. I am very sorry for making you the center of that. I, I believe no that you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate um, the, the example. Uh, then then just to to uh, circle back on, on another point of yours, I obviously it's well popularized if you listen to this 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 podcast that I, I am a evolutionist and through uh, it's, it's just that central belief of like we are risen apes not fallen angels um, that uh, I mean it's it's an arrogant belief in itself and and I wear that arrogance on my sleeve because I I, I equated to having the ability to create more than we will ever need to sustain our population or our humanity on this earth. Um, also destroying the earth along the way. Um, we are now in a unique situation where with this global crisis that we are going on, if we don't, if we are not selfish, if we do not hoard all of the resources, there is more than enough to go around. And that's why I say this, humans have an infinite capacity for kindness and that kindness means like just looking out for your fellow human being um if you have two of something and someone has none of that thing that they need give it to that person <laughs> you're not losing anything um it will come I back to you if you are, are, are of the mind <laughs> i think you you know there is one problem that we do fear because we don't know tomorrow yeah and so will I have enough for myself if I give to you what I may have two of today? So that's the, the fear factor that we face mm. uh, in that. And that is why people accumulate and hoard yeah. and, and shamefully have 20 times as much because of hoarding than those who haven't had the opportunity to gain mm. any of it. And so um, it's because we fear in one level that we won't have tomorrow or that tomorrow will, will not be enough for us. So, for mm. example, when this pandemic um, hit us, there were people going out there purchasing all kinds of stuffs to hoard in case we won't be able to have enough when the shops run dry or all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we do have a sense of fear about tomorrow. Fear that I will have less. We're afraid to live with less. Mm. Uh, we're afraid. And yet, you know, there's a beautiful scripture that we read only when people have died uh, in the book of, in the in the book of Job when he said you know naked into the world I come and naked I leave mm. so then what do I do with that which I have gained over in between those two states of nakedness um, why am I so possessive mm. um, is is Job a true reflection of the of the of the fact of having and losing we read that story. Uh, as an historical one, it's history in the fact that humans do experience that, but the story itself is parabolic. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that there is a fear within us that we're not sure about tomorrow. And Jesus, in in his teachings, uh, spoke about 
does the lilies of the field worry how they're going to look tomorrow? Mm. God takes care of them. Does the sparrows worry about what they're going to eat? God will provide for them. So in other words, if creation or the created order is able to recognize the providing hand of God for tomorrow, then why are we who are supposed to be the, mo the, the more intelligent part of the created order so fearful that we will have nothing and that God would not be the God who provides for us? And yet we came into the world having nothing, not mm. even being able to bring ourselves here. So why is it that we have, end up feeling so afraid that, Hoarding becomes an issue, and with hoarding comes waste. Hmm. And the waste then begins to injure the earth. Because where do we put all of the things that we make for our convenience? Hmm. Especially the, the electronic stuff. I mean, you now we now have over many years had a thing called vehicle graveyards. Yeah. You know, that's a space that could have been used for housing. Yeah. Or if somebody with a more engineering mind than mine, why don't we shape those cars to look like homes for people who can't afford them? Mm. But there's no so economic value in that for, for the yeah. major corporations. Precisely. And that's what we think. Profit enables us that we have a tomorrow. But that's a yeah. fallacy, you see, because we may not even be able to enjoy that 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 tomorrow. Um, tomorrow is in the hand of God, as today mm -hmm. and yesterday was, is and was. So so it's it's so whilst it's there's a sense of responsibility in ensuring that I use my gifts and talents to build up my life. I mustn't be narrow-minded about it to assume I'm doing it all by my own sweat and blood. Mm. That I'm not, that I'm doing it without the assistance of anybody else. Yeah. For example, yeah. if you and I are working in, in, a, in, in a factory line, I'm starting to do one specialist job that hands it over to you. It is yeah. when the end product is sold that you and I are remunerated. Mm. But I, you needed me and I needed you to get it to the end product and we needed the person to sell it and the person to purchase it so that we are able to have a livelihood. So mm. there's, there's no way in the world that I'm doing it all by myself. This is true. I and uh, just just to speak to to the theme of of this week, which which is substance abuse, and more more pointedly um, to addiction and the trappings of addiction, where people turn to suicide to rid themselves of whatever debts they have racked up, be it the enslavement to the substance, or be it that enslavement that then caused them to make other decisions that weren't really good. Uh, where people have threatened their lives and stuff. Um, I was having a conversation about suicide with a friend of mine who was going through, like everyone's been rocked mentally um, through this this lockdown. 
Um, people have reached like serious lows just because of maybe taking on board other people's trauma of job losses. And where if you have a worldly view and an em empathetic worldly view where you really feel for the plight of others, it, it can weigh heavily on you. And and I said to 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 my friend that, of course, in my life, I've had those sorts of thoughts, but I've always been um, scared of it because like, what if I mess up, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to live with myself with the knowledge that I couldn't even that, that, that I couldn't even do that right, you know. <laughs> I hear but, uh, you, I hear you. As, as, as flippant as, as that may be, um, I'm also blessed with, with, as one of my closest friends calls, an irritating level of optimism where I would much rather get up every single day and try and improve my situation um, by asking for help from others, by doing my best that I can do, just, you know, taking things one step at a time and then have somebody else snuff me out than be defeated by the idea that there's no way that I can escape that situation that I'm in. Um, I don't know if, if the people out there you needed to hear that, um, if you offended like by my arrogance of that, uh, this is just my personal experience that I'm trying to relate here and just to try and have a talking point that we can maybe discuss with others um, to, to enter into this world. Because I, I think a lot of it is also like the stigmas around many of the so-called bad things that people do when they are abusing substances, where they are addicted to things, where they maybe are doing sexual favors or um, selling things or, you know, to feed their own addiction by, by whichever means possible. And if when we start removing those stigmas, then that shame isn't there and people are more, it's, it's more, it's, it's safer for people to come out and say like, look, I need help. This is what I have done. Who can help me get out of this and walk back? Um, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, that was a bit of a tangent, but yeah, I just needed to, to get that out of my head. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that, that, you know, one of our biggest enemies in life is denialism. Mm. Um, so, so, and we, we are sometimes assuming that we are all conquering beings. Yeah. So that nothing can, you know, I can give up my cigarette, I can give up my drinking. It's not a problem. So our language also tells us uh, where we are in our mindset. Now, of mm. course, uh, substance abuse, um, you know, it's two words. So there is substance and there's the abuse of the substance. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, the word that we go to is this word that um, that that Paul, Paul spoke about so that we can know what is pleasing to God. Mm. We can know what is good and pleasing to God. So those two, those two uh, themes sort of um, uh, challenge my mind. Um, and I've got to make choices. Um, and there's also examples I can see out there. So, and I also need to be honest with myself. What what level, I, when I take a, an alcoholic drink, an alcoholic beverage, there is no way that I can say it has no effect on me. Yeah. And when the effect starts happening, sometimes some of us are very light on gas. So I can maybe go halfway with, a, with a wine and then begin to say, mm -mm, things are beginning to change upstairs here. Yeah. I better yeah. be a little bit more careful. But then there's also peer pressure because 
you people speak victoriously. You know, I was so sloshed last night. Yes. <laughs> almost as if it's a victory speech. And and then, of course, um, I'm able to drink 50 bottles at, at one given period of time. So yeah. there's all of yeah. these um, medals that we, that we put onto the thing. Now, it was very interesting that you raised this thing, um, just in terms of the alcohol abuse. Um, the... Dr. McKenzie uh, of the health ministry said that 31% of the, our population um, are, are, are alcoholic users. Mm. He says, but the impact on the medical system as a result of 31% of the population is huge. Now, he's not saying don't drink. But then he's saying, how responsible are we when we do drink? Mm. But it's when we talk about substance, we're not only talking about alcoholic beverages. We are talking here also about drug use. Yeah. yeah. And we've got to cover the whole spectrum because people are addicted even to what is over the counter. Yes. Yes. Or even to prescriptions. So they... The addiction does show up that there are other issues going on with inside ourselves. This shattered image of ourselves, um, we try to correct by using an outside force to think that it will empower us to be able to perform better. Mm. But we are not addressing the actual issue. Now, no way are we saying that people shouldn't have an alcohol. What we are saying is it's possible that abuse can happen and therefore addictions will be real mm. and mm. clinics are opened and gravesides are open because people have then become so addicted that they no longer in charge of their own lives. Yeah. So, so we need to be careful how we talk about um the enjoyment of alcohol or drugs for people who take it as if it is a medal if you can if you can able to 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 to, to drink heavily and you're able to smoke 20 packets of cigarettes and do drugs and you you survive but then did you really survive but not only that the abuse of those substances mm. how it has impact on your families and how it impacts the community, how it impacts nations, how it impacts economy, how it impacts relationships, um, how it impacts family life. So again, yeah, modesty with responsibility. Um, but we do also now know that unfortunately there are those of our sisters and brothers who have been caught up in the spiral of addiction. Mm. And we thank God for those who have stepped out and say, how do we minister to them and help them? How do we use in terms of Paul's writing to Romans? With God's graciousness, he allows individuals to gather together and then forms them and gives them gifts in order for, let's say, the church to function, to be operational. 
Mm. So, too, God has enabled people in the world and to discover how do we actually help people who do have addictions? How do we have help people who've been affected as a result of one who has been addicted? Because dysfunctionalism is a huge area in people's lives, as well as the whole thing about denialism. Yeah. So we can't run away from this. We have, it has to be real. We do remember that, unfortunately, there are people in our, in our society who use, who, who, who gains income and economic benefits as a result of selling uh, substances that, and this is the thing, that doesn't do good, that kills. Yes. That destroys. And so here again, um, it goes back to that text. If we are conforming, what is the benefit thereof? Conforming to a worldly standard. I mean, it, it really pains me to have, to have thought that there were people out there protesting that liquor stores should open. Mm. It's sad to think that that it's it has become such an evident part of our society. Now I know there's people who work in that industry, but that doesn't mean we must be responsible. Yeah. yeah. And glutton. And then when we can't come out of it, we need help. And then even then we deny our sense of help because we go back to the very thing that injures us. Yeah. So, yeah. so why are we conforming when we are able to be transformed in the renewing of our minds? So yes, we need a new way to think about how we, how Alcott is managing our society. Mm. I, I, I always I, say that, like, I, I have a lot of empathy for, for addicts because these substances, every time you consume these substances, it's like playing with a loaded gun where they, they are created to affect you on a biological cellular level to interfere Absolutely. with the way your body functions. And if your body falls into that pattern where it requires that substance to feel a certain level of normal, like that fight is bigger than any of us like yeah. <laughs> you, you are literally fighting against yourself and you're not gonna win that fight um alone and the the important thing is always for for the families and loved ones who or people who care for the addict to not be enablers but to always be there in support of positive change um, well, based on yeah. what you're saying, based on what you're saying, that brings me to the gospel reading. With all of the things we spoke about, we are trying to answer a question that is within us. Mm. What is the meaning of life? Mm. What is my purpose? So why did Jesus want the disciples to know? Want the disciples? Why, why did Jesus ask the disciples a question about who? Not about what, but who do people say I am? 
Because mm. the who brings out the whole essence of relationship. It's the who is a question that is determined that 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 is determined by the contexts. Um, family, for example, is the discovery of who interactions across differences in racially and all of that isn't is a question that is asked. Um, the, the whole the whole question about substance abuse when a person has become an alcoholic and is wanting to recover and enters into a program of recovery, mm. the very first yeah. thing that they do at those at those meetings is to say who they are. Yeah. And they identify themselves as I am Rodney and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. I am Rodney and I'm a drug addict. I'm Rodney and I'm have anger issues. Yeah. So yeah. So this question brings us to identity. And I just wonder why this question for me is the most important question. Uh, I, 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 I get what you, you, you are saying, um, but yeah, that, that self-identifying is also the, the creed that you make. It's, it's the, like I, I, I always say um, addiction is, a choice and it's a very easy wrong choice to make um, like in my life I've, I've spoken on this podcast before where I said I have I have a, a friend who we walked a very similar path and on one day I decided to go in one direction and he went into another um, I was offered that direction as well and just that day I decided not to and yeah things got things escalated quickly on his side with drug abuse and gangsterism and homicide and a whole lot of things happened and we we aren't aware when those choices happen in our lives um and it's just just <laughs> dumb luck sometimes that it, it can can turn the other way no i don't i don't agree totally it is about the journey of who mm. because i can't make I can't, even if I make a choice, it could be with a confusion as to who I really am, that I'm going to make mm. this choice or follow that route. So the journey of who is very, very real. In every every moment that I breathe, every moment that I do, that's the mm. question we have to ask ourselves. So why would Jesus have put that question in front of us? And why is there is the, 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 the importance not of just saying what others are thinking, but what are you saying? Where are you in all of this? You, and so you, can, be, you can be labeled as one thing. Like you can say that, like I, I, I can say that I am Lindsay and I am addicted to this thing. But then that is an affirmation of the label that has caused destruction in my life maybe. But I can sure. choose whether I still want to be that person or whether I want to be somebody else. And every single waking moment, you have to make that choice. Absolutely. Now, interesting you say that because when, when, when you admit to being an alcoholic at your, at your fellowship meetings, mm. you also say, my name is Rodney and I'm an alcoholic and this is my 10th day of recovery. Yeah. So you don't only speak about the fall, you speak about the resurrection, 
the transformation mm. that is happening again. So that sort of fellowship is saying that it's not just about falling, it's about how you get up as well. Yeah, yeah. And so, so the alcoholic is now a recovering alcoholic. And mm. one day at a time is the way that they're going to be doing that. So uh, all of that in, is about the inform, informing of who I am and what I'm, I'm willing to admit to being. Mm. So, yeah, that brings us neatly to, to the gospel, like um, the, the notes that I've taken. So the gospel is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 20. And I just want to sketch, I just want to continue with my sketch that I've been bolding of Jesus at this point in his career. So I've been equating it to like the rise of a popular artist. So he'd now been recognized for his ministry, he's assembled his entourage, he's had his fallout with the Pharisees, his cousin has been killed, he's been he's done like all these arrogant things and he's feeling his himself a little bit. He knows his mission, he knows his journey. Then last week he was confronted with a question of whether he is really on the right path um, or whether he should broaden his scope. And I think he's internalized this and now he's asking of his entourage what they believe and how his own, how he has demonstrated himself to them. And then he tells them, but now you can't speak to other people about me like that because I need to show them who I am. They need to have the same discovery within themselves. Am I just off on a different path to you, Father? <laughs> or <laughs> is my contemporary version of Jesus um uh, quite accurate. It doesn't make sense to you. Um, my 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 understanding would probably differ a little from yours in that Jesus was not on a personal quest. Mm. So 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 the main thing for me coming out of this reading is once an identification is made where Peter says who Jesus is. You are the son of God and you're the Messiah. Jesus doesn't say to him, you're right and you're wrong. Jesus doesn't celebrate the fact that, you know, he's now the perfect student. He got the answer right. But he Jesus says, he will build his church on. <laughs> yeah, but only because flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven has been revealing this to you, and now you are able to make this identification. Mm. Now, based on the fact that you're open to receiving that revelation from the Father, based on the fact that you are able to express what the Father has revealed to you in this way, I then say, well, now I see this readiness that I can build something with you, something that's going to be credible and of value not only to you but to the whole world and what I and remember I'm the builder so I'm mm. building with mm. you uh, this this church that even though the gates of hell are trying to overcome and power it and that's your main enemy um, it will not be able to prevail um, mm. so mm. the main thing there would be this revelation is now if you go out and I think I spoke about it there in my in my homily. If you 
go without thinking through what this means. You will go and make pronouncements that could invoke some people to violence and mm. it could give people the wrong understanding. And 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 that that is also something that will have we have will have difficulty dealing with. The path towards the cross was already very difficult. But once they captured in, in fact, if you take this reading of Matthew today and put it alongside Mark's gospel, chapter mm. 8, verse 27, you're going to find that Mark uses this story as a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Once, yeah. once that um, Capernaum experience happens where, where this question is asked and explored, Jesus then begins his journey to Jerusalem. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, this gospel of Matthew doesn't bring that out particularly. Uh, again, Jesus is the teacher in Matthew's gospel, and 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 the teacher is very blessed when he sees a student receiving enlightenment and mm. being able mm. to articulate that enlightenment in the way that Peter did. The very Peter who would then deny that he even knew him, and he was the one that made this profound statement of faith based on a revelation that God had given to him to speak. And of course, um, the history will teach us that Peter was going to be, as it were, the leader uh, in ensuring that uh, God's church, the church that Jesus will build, will be built, yeah. of which you and I are part of. So why, why the, what they call the Messianic secret? Why do I tell you right now, you cannot speak about it? The time is not right for me to make this declaration. Mm. And if I were to make this declaration, would my fame and fortune not grow? This is the very temptation that Satan wanted me to fall in, Matthew chapter 4. If you are the son of God, fall down from this precipice. You will not even hurt your toe because the angels will prevent you from that. And you will be able then to be this supernatural hero that everybody is going to flock towards. Mm. And that will make your task of salvation easy. That was not how Jesus pronounced his messiahship. He's the anointed one because, as Paul says, he became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. That was how the Messiahship was going to be announced. Um, from John's Gospel, the um, centurion, the struly is the son of God. Mm. So, so the, the, the you know, there was a, and, and I, I, I drew this into the, I, I, as you well, if you, if you looked at the homily, I used this to, to what's name to answer the question of what is true worship? And when Peter spoke out the revelation, that was like we doing the creed on a Sunday morning. And the I believe happens from the beginning of the liturgy right through to the end. I believe that God is with us and also with you. Mm. I believe that I must make confession of my sin. I believe that God is merciful. So that aspect of a confession of faith goes right through. But we're waiting there 
for further development of revelation. What will God mm. reveal mm. to us in the scriptures today through the silence in the hymns, every aspect of the Eucharist about his meaning for life? Or as Paul says, then you will know the will of God mm. for his people. Mm. So, so in, 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 in fact, we are stirred, inspired, moved, grown by the imparting of revelation, uh, how God speaks to us and reveals the truth about, about us. And um, um, the, the truth about Jesus was, if he is then therefore the, the son of God who is to be the Messiah, then who is he to me and what does that make me? Mm. So Jesus was, was curbing the fact that, you know, I've done all of those things, right? My fame and fortune is growing. If I let the disciples now know who, remember, they are the ones I asked early on, who do people say that I am? So they had the ears to the ground. Yeah. They mingled yeah. among the people. They heard the conversations. Now, do they go back to that people with this revelation that they don't even know what the understanding of it is all about? So revelation also needs interpretation. It mm. needs um, to be worked through and processed so that it can be articulated at the appropriate time um, in the way that's going to help people see the truth of it and not be caught up with euro worship, fame and fortune. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I did, I did definitely get that watershed moment out of out of this gospel, even though it played into the way I was viewing it as. Because I mean, like these these Jesus and Muhammad and pick a name um, during this time, they were the rock stars of of the Middle East. They were. They drew the crowds. They they were they have lasting legacies that stretch to this day through texts that are very much unverified <laughs> or unverifiable, even. Um, so that that's why I I I it was an interesting thought experiment for me um, to to take on this journey of 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 stardom and rising. And yeah, there is definitely a key change in Jesus's ministry. Um, from this point on, where he embraces uh, the the task of revealing himself to the world, which obviously then built into the crescendo of of Golgotha and the resurrection and all that. And I love the fact. I just want to say, as a wordsmith, um, your continued use and correct use of the word revelation because revelation is literally a big revealing of something <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> and absolutely. not what some of the more charismatic um preachers out there have twisted it into um but yeah 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 thank you very much for that father but i just want to draw your attention to something i also mentioned in the in the in the um in the homily mm. uh, when you spoke you spoke about the the, the, the rock stars of the Middle East. Yeah. And I what was used in one of the resources that I used uh, around the month of compassion was the words of Buddha. Mm. 
and I deliberately went to look Buddha up and to look what era he was he lived in and um, what was the teaching he had given about compassion and it was very interesting to me that the you know the word compassion uh, the, the the quest for com for compassion was 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 out there um, being I being identified as to why we need it and what it's all about the yeah. same sentiment yeah. that Buddha had in in the fourth first century before Christ um, mm. is revealed as it were in the person of Christ and what he did um, in terms of our sorrows and our woundedness healing comes only when um, we when we are able to to have compassion to deal with sorrows and wounds. Um, this was not to draw a comparison between Buddha and Jesus, although mm. I've got a book mm. on my shelf that has somebody who wrote, wrote many years ago about the comparison between Judah, Buddha and, and Jesus. But to know that that there were things that people had thought about way before you and I in the 21st century that you and I are talking about now. Uh, I mean, mm. with 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 substance abuse and addict and 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 addicts, we are not talking about this in a judgmental way. We are talking about this in the way of compassion, because yeah. for whatever yeah. reason they become addicts, they have sorrow and woundedness. They are broken people. Mm. So why, therefore, is the question of Jesus so important? Because in and we, and we know that Jesus not only asked who am I, who do people say that I am, but he also said who he is with I am statements that he makes. Yeah. So so yeah. doing that, it's so we're not just using the word abstract word and action of, of compassion, because compassion has to be embodied by a person. The mm. act of compassion is embodied by human beings who, because they feel compassionate, are drawn to the wounded and, and, and to those in sorrow in order to be agents of healing. And Jesus, for me, he therefore is not just the wisdom who is an agent of healing. He is the true embodiment of it for mm. the human race mm. and for all of the created order from generation to generation. So that is why I believe it's a very important question. And through asking it, revelation comes. Now, God afforded, in my view, afforded Buddha to have some kind of revelation to understand how is sorrow and woundedness to be addressed. And, and and so for us as Christians, we believe that it's best addressed now through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, whom God reveals to us. Uh, I'm very moved, um, probably becoming my mantra now, uh, God saying, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Mm -hmm. And on that note, Father, I think that we, this has been a fascinating discussion and we could probably continue with this for days on end. Um, but if you can just summarize a couple of other thoughts and points of meditation in the prayers of the church that people can have for the week going forward. Yeah, so this week our prayers are um, around um, 
asking God who created the world and entrusted it to us that we might be might use for common good and build up the church and and human society, not just the church. And today we pray for those struggling with substance abuse, that God may continue to strengthen their weakness and restore them to the freedom of God's children. In the prayers, uh, focus in asking God um, to help us to live the lives he gives us in a constant renewing thereof, that we praying for addicts or of alcohol and drug use, for God to strengthen them and bring healing to them. We recognize that they are bound in some form of change of addiction. And so we pray for them in their struggle. We also asking God to help them to trust in his mercy to bring about the needed uh, help that they that they um, are crying out for. And then we pray for the family and friends um, that they may be communities of love, faith and patience. And we also pray that the church may be more attentive to those that are in need um, and address uh, them with the hope of freedom which can be found in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are then further requested to pray for uh, the in this time of our ongoing challenge with COVID-19 and also to ask God wisdom on how we uh, reopen the churches on the 1st of September, given all the challenges we have to meet. Uh, knowing that God, who is a God of power, hears our prayers, and that through the ministry of his son Jesus will free us from the grip of the tomb, that we may desire him as the fullness of life and proclaim his saving deeds to all the world. So those are the focus of our prayers today. And so in conclusion, Lindsay, we uh, do the blessing. Mm -hmm. which is so vital for us to gather strength from um, as we go forward into the weeks, into the week that lies ahead of us, um, to just trust that God will uh, be there for us. In the commissioning and blessing, the question is asked, who do we say Jesus is? How do we reflect on our lives? Um, and, and now we go to live out our faith in word, in action, and in love. And we go knowing the, the love of God the Father, strengthened through knowing the risen Son, and inspired by the Holy Spirit um, at this time, and that we go in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you very much for listening and participating through listening to something that has become come very uh, cherished uh, to me, Lindsay, to be able to engage the liturgy in the way that you and I have done. Of course, we have shortcomings, but I think it has grown me in leaps and bounds. And so I'm thankful again to you for the courage you had to 
to bring this to the fore for us. So all, all God's people, may you be blessed in the week that comes ahead. And thanks, Lindsay.